as I was watching uh, you, as creepy as that might be, while you worship, especially you seniors, um, getting a little sad. Uh, because I dearly love and get attached to you. And I'm so grateful to get to live day in and day out, five days a week, for an entire year with all of you as students. Um, Some of you I know well, some of you not so well, but I just want to say, first and foremost, uh, I am so thankful to do life with you, students, staff, faculty. Um, I love it here. And... Uh, I'm grateful to be with you. I was especially grateful uh, last week, Friday, uh, just a quick shout out to the D groups that came to my neighborhood and cleaned out 240 tires. This was incredibly difficult work. Uh, It was exhausting. I think, you know, out of an entire day, we were able to get like a solid three and a half hours of work and that was it. We were spent. Some of you guys uh, might still be sore. Of course, you're like, no, I'm not. You know, <laughs> but, but I am, okay, because we uh, did a massive amount of work and all of you all across the Twin Cities did tons of incredible work. And I remember uh, looking at those pictures that came in to the Southwest uh, website. And I was like, man, this is a beautiful thing. And you guys are really wonderful people. I get and I understand and I know that in this room, there's a lot of brokenness, dysfunction, hardness. Some of you are interested in what we're doing here at Southwest. Some of you want nothing to do with it. Some of you are really open and interested in Jesus and in growing spiritually and in Christ. And some of you are angry and want nothing to do with it. And some of you are just apathetic and could care less either way. Some of you are just here to make friends. Some of you are here just to get by. Some of you are here to be distracted. Some of you are here because you are hungry and thirsty to know about Jesus, to grow in life and love, to grow in relationship and connection with God. And I just want to say, wherever you're at, I'm thankful you're here. I'm glad. I'm grateful for you, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors. Grateful that um, no matter where you're at, you all went and you served. And this particular project um, is especially meaningful to me because uh, three and a half years ago, you seniors were freshmen, uh, and maybe you remember this particular story, but uh, it was lunchtime on a Friday afternoon after D groups, and uh, it was October, uh, sorry, end of September, I believe. I was sitting at lunch with my colleagues here, many of the teachers that you know, and my phone rang. And I'm going to get through this. Maybe I will. My phone rang. And it was my boys' school. And they said, hey, um, Goldie, your, uh, your son's not doing well. And this happens occasionally. And I said, well, what's going on? They said, well, he, something happened in gym. We think he fell down and he's not doing well. I was like, what well, do you think he can make it? They said, he seems to be coming around. I said, well, let's just wait and see what happens. Uh, so I sat down at lunch again with fellow teachers here. And 10 minutes later, I got another phone call. And they said, uh, hey, your son... He seems to be doing a little bit worse. He might want to come over here. Um, So I got in my car, scrambled Mr. Wassenaar, agreed to take my classes that day. I still remember that to this day. And he said, I got you. We got you covered. And I got in my car, and I drove to my boys' school. Halfway there, I got another phone call. Um, I had an earpiece. And I answered the phone call. And they said, "Uh, Goldie, um, you should know. that um, your son is unresponsive. He's turning blue and the ambulance is on its way. 
I showed up, and uh, he was unresponsive. Uh, we went to the ambulance. I got in with him, and what followed was a flurry of chaos. Hospital visits. Um, at one point, my son, when he woke up, didn't recognize his own dad. Um, gosh, I knew this would happen. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be manipulative. I was going to share my heart with you. And this happens. Um, what could I do? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. I had zero control. Um, we went to Children's Hospital where they treated us well. I couldn't control the doctors. It turned out after um, many days, actually it took two weeks for the research to come out. We were in the hospital for over a week and um, numerous tests were done. Uh, he actually at one point, it was touch and go, he had a 22-minute seizure um, which should lead to permanent brain damage and um, he came out of it. My son's story turns out okay, I think. Uh, but I will say... Um, well, what happened was he, he got encephalitis, which is a swelling of the brain from a mosquito bite. And the reality, you guys, is that I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't control that mosquito, uh, which is one of the reasons we removed these tires, because it's a habitat for these things. I couldn't control how his body responded. I couldn't control what's happening with the doctors. I couldn't control the ambulance and the safety of that transportation. I couldn't control how other people responded to me or didn't respond to me in that situation. Often I felt like I couldn't even control my own responses. I couldn't control um, myself at times because it was an incredibly overwhelming experience. And while my son's story, Lord willing, turned out well, and I think, as I've mentioned, I think he's okay. This is three and a half years and he's functioning, thriving little boy that I love dearly. I know that for many of you, you have similar stories and it hasn't turned out well. I know that many of you have struggles whether it's relational, whether it's loss, whether it's family, whether it's school, you have struggles. All of us have struggles. And the reality is this morning that I want to remind us of is that most of it is completely out of your control. Completely out of your control. And when we start to believe that something is in our control that's actually not, it's not going to go well for us. It's not going to go well for you. I've had many, many uh, ups and downs with this struggle of relinquishing control to God. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Mr. Beckering even mentioned that Caleb Bislow, our spiritual life emphasis speaker, came to share. And as you may recall, he gave this like, hey, how do you be used by God? And he said, if you want to be used by God, then you've got to practice humility. And he gave us this little acronym, and it was great and descending into greatness or whatever. And he gave this stuff. And one little word on there um, was funny. I don't know why it stuck out to me so much, but God maybe was just speaking to me, and this led to why I'm sharing this this morning. Um, it was the, the R in great was rely on God. And I was like, I've heard that. Am I right? Like a million times. When I ask you students sometimes, like, hey, what does it mean to follow Jesus? To rely on God. What does it mean to, like, be a Christian? Rely on God. What does it mean, like, for you, you've got a big test coming or finals coming up. Like, what should you do? And you're like, rely on God. Okay, then I'll say, what does that mean? And we're like, I don't know. But when Bislow shared that, rely on God, it hit me, and I'm going to confess to you something. And this isn't always the case, okay, but as the director of spiritual 
formation here at Southwest, one of my jobs is to bring in the speakers and bring in Caleb, and I knew Caleb, and I brought him in. But as he was saying, rely on God, you know, I'm going to confess to you. I went through all the motions of booking Caleb as a speaker, and I did the communication and the hours of preparing and getting everything ready. I had almost zero reliance on God. And as he sat there speaking, I thought to myself, Goldie, did you even pray before this encounter? Again, that's not always the case. (laughs) But in that moment, I was so busy with the flurry of things that I didn't even give it over to God. And there's many times with class, with some of you seniors, in my own conversations with friends, with my family, frankly, I just don't rely on God at all. And so I got to thinking about this, like, what's up with that? What's going on with that, Goldie? Like, why, why are you like that? Um, and I wanted to talk about, first of all, a couple things. And this, this is, a, maybe this will help you, help you today in how um, to process fundamentally that we're not in control. But this verse, it comes out of uh, one of my favorite little passages in scripture, in part because it's sarcastic. And if you know me, I appreciate sarcasm when it's well-placed and with love and relationship and a lot of complexity that goes into sarcasm. You understand that like, if you have a good relationship with people, okay, uh, and you can be sarcastic and it can be a wonderful, helpful tool. Uh, and in fact, in this moment, in Job, <laughs> in Job, I know, I'm sorry, I know you don't like that. But in Job, um, what happens, you guys are familiar with the story of Job, right? Like he goes through all these trials and his friends come along and they're terrible friends uh, because they're just like, what'd you do wrong, Job? And they're trying to get to the bottom of the thing. They're trying to like, get control of what exactly happened. And then at the end of the story, you know, a, th- a third friend comes. He's like, ah, I'm gonna give you something different. I don't know why God did this, but seriously, Job, what'd you do? Okay, and then, and then at the end of it, God shows up and he starts talking. And God himself, this is the crazy part. God himself there's a little bit of sarcasm in this passage because he says, oh, um, okay, stand up and I, I want to I speak with you. And he says, one of the lines in this, he says, uh, first he says, were you there at the foundations of the earth when, when I made it? Like, were you, were you there? Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, you were because you're, you're super old. You've been, you were around back then. Remember that? And then God says, have you ever ordered the morning to get up and the dawn to get to work? Have you ever done that? God has some tood in this passage. And it's great. It's a great reminder because the reality is, no. There's a ton of stuff that I'm just not in control of and it, and it makes me, when I think I'm in control, it makes me not rely on God. So I want to ask you some questions. Um, and I'm, I want to ask, why, why do we not rely on God? I'm going to just give you a couple maybe helpful ways. Or reasons. Uh, the first one, I think, is because uh, I'll just call this power pride. Okay, I'm going to come up with my own terms for this. But power pride, the idea that you're in control. Do you think that you are in control in the story with my son? Was I in control of his health? Absolutely not. I want to say, there, maybe you might have influence on these things, but you are fundamentally not in control. Health stuff can come at us blindsided, totally unaware, totally out of the blue, even to the point of taking life. It's so often out of your control. Students, how about this one? Uh, Reputation. 
You probably spend a lot of hours, like most human beings, worried about your reputation, trying to get people to like you, to appreciate you, to see you, to notice you, to laugh at you. We spend a massive amount of hours in our life, in our thinking world, trying to build a reputation, trying to be liked, trying to get status. Here's the reality, Southwest Christian High School. You cannot control your reputation. You can't control, my D group guys, just appreciate them. You can't control your reputation. You can try all you want to influence people and what they think of you. The reality is one single rumor will bring you down and spread through these, this building so fast and you know it because we're a small school. Your reputation is totally out of your control so quit thinking it's in your control. It's not and it never will be. You are pouring your life and energy into the wind. It's gone. Unstable. How about this? Your friendships, fundamentally, your relationships are not in your control. Why? Because other people aren't in your control. That's, the, that's actually the definition of abuse, is when you think you can control other people. At least, it's one aspect of abuse. If you think you can control other people, what they think about you and what they do in your life, it's a lie. Your family, you didn't even choose to be in the family you have. You had no choice in that, no control. And you have no control over how they're going to respond to you in the course of a day. How they're going to treat you from when you get up and the first words they say to you to the last words they say to you at the end of the day. Out of your control completely. Out of my control. Your future seniors, fundamentally it is not in your control. I know you'd like to think so and this may not be comforting but it is truth. Your future is not in your hands. The world is too big, it's too complex. You don't have that kind of power. And I would say praise God that you don't. You don't want it. How about federal politics? In spite of how much energy you pour into this, you can do nothing for the most part. Now, if you want to dedicate your life to making change there, go for it. Praise God, we need you. The reality is you have zero control over what the president and the vice president, maybe even the mayor of Chaska or Eden Prairie does. Okay, people? You're not in control. Why are you wasting your energy thinking you have control? Not being informed and all that and being involved, but thinking you have control. Are you with me? How about um, your success? Again, just like reputation. It's not in your control. I could go on and on. How about God? Do you think you control him? Do you think if you pray certain things that he'll do things for you? Do you think he's a vending machine? Do you think fundamentally that God answers every little prayer in the way that you want? I'll tell you what. It wasn't my prayer for my son to be in the hospital for a week and for me to be traumatized to the point that if I talk about it, I cry. <laughs> That's not in my hands. It's not in my control. I can't control God. I can't control what he does. So what happens um, with that if you decide that maybe you are in control of stuff that, frankly, you're not? You get disconnected from God. The very nature of being God is that he's in control of this stuff and you aren't. I get disconnected from God. When I start focusing on the plans for encounter and the plans for my family and the plans for my day and I start thinking about control, fearful, some people call it anxiety. 
It's fundamentally fear. Fear of being alone. Fear of failure. Fear of letting people down. If you think you have control, then of course, if you think you have control and things don't go well, (laughs) yeah, you should be afraid because it's all on you. And when you fail, it's all on you. Which is why you have blame and self-doubt and self-loathing and I have it too. Perfectionism, workaholism is a great way to think that you've got control. I'll just put a little more time in, a little more work in. I'll just put in a little more effort on this relationship. I'll put in a little more effort on this assignment. I'll put in a little more effort on this test. I'll put a little more effort on my friendship. I'll put a little more effort on my body. I'll put a little more effort on my health. The reality is you fundamentally can do that till your dying day and things will come at you that are out of your control. You hear me? Out of my control. And blame is the only place you can go. It's the only place I can go. There are things that happen even in encounter that it's out of my control and if I blame myself fundamentally there's lots of factors that like Goldie that, which, that wasn't up to you stop it <laughs> things that happen in my friendships <laughs> okay do you think there are things that maybe you think you have control of that you don't I want to speak to just a few other reasons why sometimes it's hard to rely on God and I think the first one is um, something or the second one is protective pride So power pride, thinking you have control. The second one is, I'll just say this up front. When I say rely on God, for many of you in here, just the word relying on somebody else is really, really difficult. Because you might have the mentality, I don't need others, I don't need God. It will just hurt, it will just make it worse. Because maybe people that are supposed to have been authorities that are in control of things in your life let you down. And I know that's true for a lot of you. whether it's a parent or a teacher or an authority, whether it's a friend, people that you relied on in the past let you down and hurt you. So the idea of relying on somebody, even God, forget about it. I got this. Maybe some of you here are there this morning. I know you are. To just say, you know what, I'm not doing that again. It hurts too much. I've been let down too much. It takes some deep digging and vulnerability to get to the point of recognizing when you have protective pride and some searching. But I would say, uh, so maybe some, some questions to answer for yourself, or do you have difficulty relying on people for help? Is it difficult for you to truly listen to others' input? Uh, I know sometimes it is for me, and maybe it's because we've been let down and hurt in the past. Second, or third, excuse me, um, and I'll be honest, this one's a little bit more of my story. As I thought about this, I thought, you know, I haven't actually been let down or hurt too bad by authorities in my life, but what I have had is the pride that comes from a little bit of privilege in the sense that I had a pretty good family. I have some friends, and there's a deep-seated sense in me of like, you know what, I got this. If God lets me down, I've got people, right? If these people let me down, I've got other people. If everything crumbles, you know, my family will hold me up. My friends will hold me up. I'll come crawling to people. And God gives us people and we need people. People? (laughs) That's important. It's really important. That's a way that God ultimately speaks to us. But you guys, fundamentally, it's hard if everything's provided for you to rely on God because you're like, what's the point? 
I got money, I got friends, I'm comfortable, I got a really comfortable existence. But it will wreck us. And it's unstable. Last, um, I'm going to call this pagan pride. Pagan actually doesn't mean unbeliever. It means like holding religious beliefs others that other than what's mainstream. So what do you actually believe about God? And so two questions to ask you. What does it say about our perception of someone if we don't rely on them? What's the effect on someone else if you refuse to lie, rely on them? Um, in the interest of time, I'll quickly just um, share that my wife and I talked about this, Jody and I talked about this, and she's, I said, do, do we have a story of this in our own marriage? She said, yeah, I think early in our marriage, I often didn't share what I was feeling. I would clam up and I would sort of shut down and you would say, hey, are you okay? And I'd say, yes. And then you would turn back to me and say, okay, I'm gonna trust your words. And if you say I'm okay, even though it looks like you're not, I'm gonna trust that. And I would walk away. And she said, that was really hard for me. But what I realized was that you also were being hurt because what I was saying is I, don't, I can't trust you. I'm not gonna rely on you. I'm not gonna communicate with you. So I'm asking this because I wonder how it makes God feel who loves you so, so much, cares about you so, so much, and is in control of so much more than you'll ever dream of being in control of. I wonder how it makes him feel when you say, you know what, God, I got this. It will wreck us if we continue to believe the things that we are not in control of, we actually are. A couple parting thoughts for you. I want to encourage you, Southwest, and I'll close with this. Acknowledge Think through, visualize things you have no control over. Whatever that might be right now this morning for you. Realize you're not in control. You don't have this. You're not strong enough. You can't do this. You can't manipulate reality or others to bend to your will. If you've been hurt from others in the past, pray and come to God before him to find healing. Repent over over-reliance on your circumstances, your own strength, your own willpower. Be okay without explanations. God's not always gonna give you the reason for why there's loss and pain and dysfunctionality. That's out of your control too. And finally, uh, worship and pray. Just practically speaking, before any conversation you have, even as you leave here, before your test, before your study, before your conversation with family at home, surrender and leave room for God and realize he fundamentally is in control. Let me pray for us. God, I'm so, so thankful that you are in control. It's overwhelming in this giant world that's full of complexities, both intellectual, relational stuff. God, that you are a sovereign God who holds the universe in the palm of your hand and God, that with that power, you love us. And we know there's not always an explanation for why stuff happens. But we know you are good. We believe, we have to believe that you are good. God, go before and behind and with and in all of these students, all these people that are so dear to me. God, I pray and ask that you would reveal to us areas where we need to relinquish control, areas where we have begun to be dysfunctional by believing we have it. We surrender to you. We worship you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.